0: Welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up,
1: buddy? It's hard to express the feelings that that I've been feeling, and I'm glad we're recording this today, Monday, the 28th of November, instead of Sunday. Getting a nice a nice sleep on the subject uh, that that we're going to be talking about here, but I think the the word that's kind of come to mind is trust, and the feeling that that's come with that is that of of broken trust uh, of a man who for the last you know 14, 16 months has has said nothing about you know but but loyalty and And, you know, this is where I'm at and I'm happy here and in the family here and and this and that. And to wake up Saturday morning to that trust being broken, to realizing the man that we all placed our faith in was in fact, Judas, uh, was a turncoat, has no loyalty whatsoever. For some reason, wants to move to one of the coldest places in the world, Madison, Wisconsin, a place that hasn't won a conference championship since two thousand twelve. Uh, who has zero national championships to claim for themselves? Uh, a place where they basically wear a a souped-up version of of jail of you know of nineteen thirties jail attire. You know red and white pinstripe jumpers um, it's a badger for crying out loud bearcats eat badgers i at first was you know kind of like in that mindset of saying all right let's appreciate what lou fickle has done for the university now i'm kind of full-blown good riddance uh and i'm excited to talk about that but right now it's time it's a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat because I think the future is still looking great for what, what's about to happen. By the way, if you don't know, Luke Fickle took a job and went to, went to Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
0: Wow. I'm not quite sure. I wasn't quite sure where your head was at on the Luke Fickle situation. I don't think there's, you left room for no doubt after that opening monologue. And I'll say this. We're definitely going to get into the Luke Fickle conversation. And I am glad that we we left it 24 hours to record. We actually did do an instant reaction type podcast on Twitter, a Twitter spaces with the guys and the gentlemen from Viva La Cats. And so if you want to hear our instant reactions, our emotional reactions, and some just friendly banter about where the Bearcats are heading next, I would recommend checking out that podcast this episode will be a little different. And I got to be honest, I had this nice outline made up last week about that to kind of highlight what we would go into on this week's episode. Bearcats first year with Gino Gadouli, offensive coordinator. How did he perform? Bearcats finish nine and uh, nine and three on the regular season. They miss the American athletic championship game after dropping the 32 game home winning streak against Tulane in Evan Prater's first start. Uh, and then that night, the next night, there was a crazy South Florida coming back from 28, nothing against central Florida. Holy crap. It looks like they're going to win. Is this really going to happen? This would be humiliating for central Florida. I can't wait to celebrate that. No, nah, they're, they're, they're South Florida. They're they're one in 10. They've won one conference game in the last 26 games. That's not going to happen. And the Bearcats season, there was a level of finality to it. But it was a chance for us to have a season review and to evaluate the coaching staff and Mike Tressel and to evaluate Evan Prater's first start. And you know what, buddy? All of it's out the window. Luke Fickle took the job at Wisconsin. We probably need to spend some time talking about that, his departure, reasons for his departure, speculation as to why, who, what, when, where. Let's start there. Let's get into it. Let's scrap the season review. We'll we'll have plenty of time to talk about that later. It seems moot at this point, given that we don't have a coach of the football team at the moment, except for interim coach, Kerry Coombs. And we don't know who's going to be entering the portal, who will be back next season and what style of play we'll have next season. So until we know some more things, let's get into Luke Fickle leaving the Cincinnati Bearcats for Wisconsin. What is your overarching theory as to why he took this job now.
1: So before, before I answer that, I'm going to do one little epitaph and and let's let it, let's recognize that he did take this team to two undefeated regular seasons. Right. And that is incredible. Well, his accomplishments here he took this program to heights that honestly we probably never thought were really possible. And for that, I'm forever thankful. My, my anger with, with how this is being handled is as, as information comes out and you realize that, you know, it, it wasn't about, you know, him finding a job at the end of the season. It's the fact that he had been pretty much looking since before the kickoff in Arkansas. And we're, we're starting to see that he had this mindset of wanting to move on the very beginning uh maybe even that there was a little animosity between him not getting the i guess we are getting right into theories animosity with him not we're, getting the Notre Dame job well we and, have to we have
0: to get into theories because the rea- we're going to the initial reaction was was kind of acceptance from the fan base people weren't going to go hard on this guy
1: we knew it was going to happen right we, we felt were. it it
0: wasn't that we knew it was going to happen but it was sort of an um an underlying respect we had for the coach and everything he accomplished that you see and frankly i still have it um, it's not like I don't think this is the the most sneaky thing a coach has ever done. We've seen personally more snakish behavior from the likes of Brian. Interviewing,
1: Kelly. interviewing, interviewing for a job with two games left to go in the regular season, while you're still playing for a championship. That is not the definition of keeping your goal fo- like in focus of of living in the now. And that's not the that's not the definition of not taking phone calls during the during the season. <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. Although the, the canned wording that Fick will
0: like to use at at press conferences was it's just not a good time to talk about those things or think about those things. That's clearly not true. And that was never true. And as as a couple of days have passed, or as maybe 24, 36 hours have passed, it's become apparent to me through Justin Williams reporting, through the reporting, through Kirk Herbstreet's comments. Uh, during the, the Wisconsin introduction, it's become overwhelmingly apparent that Luke Fis- Luke Fickle missing out on the Notre Dame opportunity. What I mean by that is he was not going to abandon the Cincinnati Bearcats before a college football playoff opportunity. That's a legitimate chance to win a championship, and you cannot leave a program in the middle of that. That's That would be silliness. He Because yeah, of that... 100%. He or his agent or his people could not actively pursue the Notre Dame opportunity. And Notre Dame, as we're learning now, if, if I told you right now, hey, we, we can hire a coach, but it's got to be in four weeks when the coach finishes their season. That's completely untenable. We would not accept that. And so Notre Dame had to move on.
1: Notre Dame if did it's move Nick on. Saban, I'll wait. <laughs> if it's Nick true. Saban, I'll wait. <laughs> you're right. I could probably name but no, it. you're right. You're right. hundred percent. You can't you can't wait. You can't wait on that. And you have to keep moving. And and he's you're right. And they did. He did so the hire, one thing. His best he friend. did he did the one thing that Brian Kelly didn't. He did he did the one thing that Brian Kelly didn't last year. He stayed. He finished out the season. He he coached us in the biggest game of of hit in UC football history. That is where he did do different. That's where he gets his credit. Yes, did that, that hurt him from not being able to coach at his, his wife's Catholic Love of Notre Dame? Yeah, you know, so that is that is the sacrifice that he he did give this program is he doesn't have his dream job. He has So he did it. That's what I mean. So he kept coaching.
0: He kept coaching. <laughs> he kept coaching. Marcus Freeman, cool. his former De- defensive De- coordinator tonight. His, his his very good friend Marcus Freeman gets the job and when the college football playoff plays out, I'm sure he loved coaching that game, but it seems like in with hindsight He and and his family were never content after that moment. There was an underlying discontent from losing out on that opportunity. Just simple, just simply poor timing. And it sounds like based on Herb Street, basically saying, I know it's been a challenging year for you. And then you think back like, "Okay, well, what what happened on a professional level this year? He had made the college football playoff. He played in that game, got her ass kicked by Alabama. But then since then, it's been a 9-3 and three season. It's been a transition year, but certainly not a terrible year. Competing for an AAC championship game appearance until the very end. It It's not like anything traumatic truly happened. You saw nine of your guys get drafted in the NFL draft. You've seen Sauce Gardner become a premier NFL cornerback in his rookie season. You've seen Des Ritter become a backup in Atlanta. Like There's so many good things happening around Cincinnati, yet it was an extremely challenging year for Luke. So to me the Wisconsin job is, is a matter of Luke fickle needing a reset after losing out of the Notre Dame opportunity. And it's sort of, you know, Wisconsin, I guess, to put it, to put it nicely, is just a rebound. They're not the, they're not the, they're not the girl he really wanted to take to the dance, but he had to settle for him once he, once he missed out on the other one.
1: <laughs> that's actually, that's a really good, good way to put it. Cause if, if you're looking at the landscape and you're thinking from like you're sitting in Luke Fickle's shoes and you're like, all right, which jobs are going to gonna come up next, right, uh, that you would want? And, you know, Oklahoma has been filled, uh, USC's filled, Ohio State's pretty solid with Ryan Day. I don't care what any of the crazies say up there, but – that that's a solid that's that's solid Nebraska just got filled like who who's really currently on the on the hot seat and I know the coaching carousel changes crazily from year to year but when you're looking at the jobs that he's he's really looking at right like which ones are you gonna which ones are you gonna wait for and how long and at the same time you know he's not getting any younger and let's be real college coaches have always been about one thing and one thing only and that is Getting their own bags filled to the tune of $7.9 million. Show me that money, honey. Uh, so I mean, why he's waiting for those jobs, he's gonna go collect a bag from from Wisconsin. The thing that, that gets me about it is he used the excuse that he was kind of getting frustrated of, of losing out r- losing recruits and losing losing these battles to to NIL. And, you know, and hearing that he had kind of a reluctance to to want to use it himself. But then also hearing that that's part of the discussion with Wisconsin is that they don't really want to, you know, have to deal in NIL as much either, which is which is, is weird that true? because the way it can't be true. Well, uh, it can't be so true. Everyone, around, Yeah, it I, can't be true. But
0: Luke, Luke Fickle was clearly someone who was not, you know, giddy at the fact of what nil might be and i think he was a an optimist in thinking i can build a program that isn't reliant on on nil first and foremost but if you're if you're a reality-based human being nil is is everything now nil is how you make sure that you keep a strong recruiting class and we saw luke fickle have multiple recruits get poached in the last few months and i think the the driving reason with michigan and kentucky and these these aggressive nearby universities the theme is nil and and using it for what it's not meant to be which is a recruiting tool but the fact is it's the wild wild west i will continue using that term to describe it you have to be aggressive and proactive and if we're being realistic west you know wisconsin is a more well-funded university or a more well-funded football program there are going to be more resources there this is theoretically an upgrade in position isn't it crazy
1: that people think that
0: i think it's true
1: i i mean it is i don't you find it crazy that people don't think this oh, isn't actually an thought, upgraded job though yeah
0: i mean it is like i think we have to be honest with ourselves it's a big 10 opportunity they are one of the two inevitable power conferences this isn't going to stay at five conferences forever This is inevitably heading to like two major powerhouses that are bringing in upwards of a billion dollars per year in TV revenue. It's different. It's not the same as the Big 12. It's certainly not the same of what we just left in the AAC. And so from that standpoint, it certainly is an upgrade. And you are going to be, you're going to have a a war chest that that can actually go to battle with the likes of of Michigan, the likes of Ohio State. And those are the folks that he's competing against now. I don't think it's going to be easy. I certainly think he's going to find a different level of competition. Like if you think about the last couple of seasons in particular, we're playing in a conference that is significantly worse than the big 10, but we weren't necessarily like dominating these opponents. The last couple of seasons, you know, last year was a little bit of a different story, but I mean, we, we saw strategically some, some miscues. So I, I, it's going to be interesting to watch Luke fickle move on to this next challenge. I don't have hard I don't really have that many hard feelings about the whole thing.
1: I, mean, I know I people- it's not it's not gonna be in, it's it's not gonna be interesting because I'm just I'm I don't watch Wisconsin football. I'm not gonna start watching <laughs> Wisconsin football. It's not like I'm it's not like I'm I'm rooting the way the way we root against Brian Kelly, right, is always gonna be there. Like anytime Brian Kelly fails, I I get I I get a little happy. Okay. I'm not gonna probably get that way with Luke Fickle to where I'm like, Oh my God, I hope this guy loses every game, but I'm just, I'm not going to watch. I'm not going to care.
0: It's kind of different you know, though. He, the Brian, to- the Brian Kelly thing. Did you ever, Brian Kelly was always kind of like a football genius. He is a very, very good X's and O's coach. Oh, he yeah. is, He's the kind of guy you drop into any program. He's going to win and win very quickly. I don't think of Luke as the same guy. I think of a guy who is a program builder. He will give you a level of stability. He will make you feel good about the type of program you're building. He's going to do the things the quote unquote right way. He has a very charming and endearing personality that isn't, it's kind of humble, a lot of humility, a lot of, you know, put my head down and just get to work. That's the vibe. But is he, is he a guy that you think of in terms of, you know, put him in there. He's going to scheme his way to 10 victories. That's going to happen. I don't think of him that way. I don't think of him the same way. I think of Brian Kelly. So, what I what I mean interesting I mean I don't I can't guarantee <laughs> the
1: Discord I can't guarantee
0: fifteen years of success uh you know winning ten games a year at Wisconsin
1: we we created a Discord channel literally dedicated to questioning the on field tactics of of Bearcats coaches uh it's called armchair armchair coaches lounge and literally there was so many times this year where it's people, you know, complaining about the play calling, you know, complaining about defensive schemes and, you know, it comes from, and it happened, it happened on the, on the, on the playoff run as well, where we're constantly running while, you know, wondering why we're sticking with three down linemen and getting every team is running the ball down our our throats and and controlling the clock and not letting us not letting us get the ball on offense and, and drive up the score. Right. And all these different schemes, where do where does all this come from it comes from the top and i'm bringing this up because you mentioned earlier about the nine recruits leaving and we've been wanting to talk about this for a long time
0: oh, i think it's, it's, no, not the not the nine, not the the time nine we bring recruits it up.
1: no not the nine recruits the nine players hey, being drafted nine recruits sorry nine players drafted the nfl <laughs> and let's talk about just two of them all right to start right no, we, we're not going to talk about
0: just two but i know i know where you're going
1: go ahead and set it up we know where we're going with this yeah, we've already set it up. I want to start with the two of these, though. And when we talk about scheming on defense, we had Kobe Bryant. Can we Can we just say, by the starting. way,
0: Homer, if you listen to the last episode, the way we ended it, we were teasing going to this topic. This was something we were 100% going to do on this episode before we knew Luke Vickle was leaving. This is not sour grapes. I Thank you for you. pointing that out. This is something that we were absolutely going to talk about it's just funny now it sounds like and we've been cream, wanting so to, just... talk we've know, been to talk about it we want to talk about it we want to talk about for like three weeks <laughs> believe us or not this is <laughs> but this I is could... legitimately a path we were going down regardless of what happened on sunday
1: so you get you have kobe bryant and as a kids, we know he's in the nfl he's a starting cornerback he's pretty good right he holds his own you have sauce Gardner. Who is not just not only just the defensive rookie of the year? He is the, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna put a dollar to the nil fund here, so I'm up to five dollars now. He's the he's the fucking best NFL cornerback of all cornerbacks in the NFL right now. And last year he was on a college team playing against college wide receivers, none of whom are the best wide receiver. In the NFL this year, he is shutting down the best wide receivers week after week in the NFL. And never once did we just say, you know what? Let's just shut down their game and shadow your best player, play man up and fucking load the box. That is $6 to the Cincy (laughs) reigns NIL fund. Like what (laughs) we're talking about all these different defensive schemes. we could have run in, and you're thinking back on it. And how did we, how did we not just man up constantly? Well, so we experienced this
0: throughout the season. If you remember in 2021, we went on a run against the likes of Navy, South Florida, PULSA teams were, were caving our heads in running the ball against us. And you mentioned the fact that we have, we had the premier cornerback duo in college football last season. They're proving all-time college football
1: cornerback duo.
0: They're proving to be even better than we thought at the time, based on how they're playing in the NFL. And you didn't mention Darian Beavers. You didn't mention J Sanders. You didn't mention Curtis Brooks. You didn't mention. It's a ridiculous amount of depth. Deshaun Pace, you know, guys who are currently or still on this year's roster. This defense, DuBlanco, Joel DuBlanco, it's an absurd amount of talent on that defense. And we were all bent out of shape after that college football playoff game. We were in Dallas. We were upset. We were we were reeling. We were disagreeing a lot. I think we did a space at one point that we re- we shut down after nine and a half minutes because <laughs> we were reeling. we were, we we might have we yeah. might have self-combusted and ruined the brand forever that night. But if you think back on that strategy, we let Alabama beat us over the head with a running game and zero risk for four quarters. We did nothing in terms of dropping everybody into the box and daring them to beat Sauce and beat Kobe one-on-one. And when you look back on it, it kind of looks freaking idiotic. Those guys were so good, it was an obvious strategy. And so all of this is to say, when we were going down this path, it was sort of like, hey... We love Luke Fickle. We love the culture he's built. We love the sustainability of, of churning out nine wins, 10 wins, 12 wins. It's been a, it's been a hell of a run, but is he actually maximizing our talent in terms of how he's coaching game to game in terms of what we're doing strategically in terms of not giving, not moving out of a three, five, three defensive uh, alignment. Those are the questions we started looking back on and thinking, Hey, with how well these guys are doing in the NFL, should we have actually gotten even more out of them? And now that he's left, I feel like part of it is, that's part of the reason I'm kind of excited about a new face and a new a new perspective and a new style as we head into the Big 12, where I do think we're going to have to be more aggressive offensively. We're going to need to be able to score with some of these explosive teams in that conference. And, you know, defensively, I think we it's going to be hard to replicate what Luke has done. But there was clearly a sort of set-in-his-ways type mentality that he brought to the table as a coach.
1: I'm trying to remember the year, uh, 2010, 11, or 12. The the Butch Jones version of the Cincinnati Bearcats are heading down to Tennessee, and we're, we're pumped. Tennessee at the time, too, it's not like they were some crazy – you know they were a former they were a shell of what their of what their glory days have been nothing Which, even like up until this season today.
0: they've been they they're, they've been a shell of their brand since Peyton Manning left
1: yeah and and we run in we we walk into was it Nayland stadium Nyland stadium Neyland, and Butch Jones lays the biggest egg we've ever seen by just you know playing almost playing not to get beat too bad and that's what the playoff game kind of reminded me of is like playing not to get beat too bad. Like you said, not taking some of these risks that we could have to slow them down to make it a lower scoring game. And it's it was it's frustrating when you think back on it with the talent that we have, but we we kind of see it all over, right? Like
0: well, I think this uh, season you know, revealed it.
1: I think this season revealed it particularly. Yeah.
0: This season, because we didn't have talent overwhelming talent across the board you saw some of the shortcomings on the coaching staff are they all luke fickle's shortcomings not necessarily i think it no, was players really... that
1: execute it to a certain extent no, too players but yeah can
0: execute but he also had to replace a lot of coaches like we reached the tipping point of losing freeman losing scruggs losing denbrock losing i'm, I'm forgetting some names off the top of my head but we lost a lot of coaches and we replaced them with pe- some people who we were excited about but Trestle was certainly not Freeman. Trestle has been a downgrade. Gino Gadulli in his first year was not a clear upgrade over Denbrock, though I am still bullish on him long-term as he, as he gets a feel for the position and grows into it. Um, You know, Mike Cummings came in as a new offensive line coach did not make that immediate impact. I just think you saw some of the development challenges you saw strategically, you know, just refusing to, to put four down linemen in and watching teams run on us again and again and again, where they're controlling the clock. They're controlling the the flow of the game and they're keeping our explosive our what should have been an explosive offense off the field more often than not. So I think we saw some shortcomings this year. The talent wasn't as overwhelming. It's still disappointing, but I got to be honest for as much success as Luke fickle had for a guy who got us to the college football playoff, which in itself is a remarkable achievement very It will be very difficult to top. His tenure, I'm not as broken up about it as maybe you are or some of the other fan base members. Cause I just, I think there is an opportunity
1: to keep this thing rolling given where you see is right now. I disagree 100% with everything you just said in that last sentence that this is going to be hard to top. Get to a New Year's six game and win it. I mean, I'm sorry, like, win it. Luke Fickle got us there. He didn't win. He didn't win any of the big games. We folded, and I still blame. like there's some execution points. Like you get into the technical analysis of the game clock and how they could have won. Well, you know what? Do a better job of whispering into the ear headset. And be like, hey Ritter, make sure you're running the clock down to zero before we run the next play. Right? Drain the clock down as far as you can instead of running plays with with 20 seconds left. Like, there's and I don't a, the, even the, think that's, that, time... that's not that technical either. It wasn't very technical analysis needed on those things. No, no, I'm just saying, like, that's like the obvious stuff. Because, if you're gonna say, if there was one, if or if you're gonna point out the glaringness, like, if there were holes in the overall game plan, besides like the, the, the schemes, let's set the schemes aside. We went, we had so many false starts, so many, you know, defensive. Also, it was a it, Uh, at times we just looked very undisciplined on the, on the little things that would come and make some of these games closer than what they needed to be. And, you know, that, that was, that's, that was always frustrating to us and and nobody here can deny that. We didn't see that over and over and it never got better. It like offside penalties have been the bane of this team and it never got better. That's coaching.
0: And on that note, I think we start, we go into what's next, what we're concerned about, what we're excited about, where John Cunningham might take this thing. But before we do that, a message from our sponsor.
1: Here's a quick message from today's sponsor, Gluten-Free Sunny Marie's, based right here in our hometown of Cincinnati, Ohio. Their mission is to get great tasting gluten-free food where people need it. They provide the best gluten-free buns and pizza crust in town to over 40 restaurants in the greater Cincinnati area. Hummer, one of those restaurants is
0: Max Pizza in Clifton. And so the next time you're in Clifton for a Cincinnati Bearcats basketball game, you want to check out Wes Miller and the boys, head to, head to Max before the game. Grab yourself a beer and grab yourself a nice gluten-free pie. They are delicious and that's a personal review from Zach Coomer.
1: I'm going to give you one other caveat there. You can also do a cider if you want to keep the gluten free the gluten free theme going. And trust me, we have had many Max Pizzas during our time in Clifton. Highly recommended. So if you are gluten if you're gluten free or just a fan of great food made here in Cincinnati, go to sunnymaries.com That's S-O-N-N-Y dot com to find a restaurant or grocery store near you.
0: You can also track down any of their famous burger buns, hot dog buns, dinner rolls, sub buns, poppy seed bread, one of my personal favorites, and much more just by messaging them directly on Facebook at Sunny Marie's. It is that easy. Hummer, the last thing, it's a surprise for you personally. Sonny Marie's wanted me to ask you if you would accept a free best buns in town's hoodie in exchange for a review of their pancake mix. If they were to send you some, is that
1: something you might be interested in? 100%. I love pancakes. We do pancakes all the time. At least every other week it's breakfast for dinner. We do breakfast for breakfast. We do breakfast for lunch. We had we had little blueberries to the pancakes. We had chocolates to the pancakes. well add, you know? Maybe we'll find some sugar-free whipped cream. You know, we'll we'll go the we'll go the full Monty. We'll make a nice pound, nice stack of pancakes, and we'll give it. We'll give a, a nice review to Sunny Marie's gluten-free pancake mix.
0: Love to hear it. We'll check back. And for all of you gluten-free folk out there like me, head to sunnymaries.com for your shopping options. All right, Hummer, let's get into what's next for the Cincinnati Bearcats football program. This is John Cunningham's second coaching search since becoming the the AD for the Cincinnati Bearcats program. And I, I could actually be speaking out of turn there. I do believe he, he just let go of the women's soccer coach so he is maybe it's a third third search in that regard but he had to replace john Brandon, and he did so with wes miller and now he has to replace luke fickle two <laughs> two totally <Completely> different situations <laughs> two yeah, completely right.
1: different situations when when we're talking about how you're replacing these coaches one was a john Brandon who had dragged the program down into disgrace and was on the verge of having literally Brandon spell as the only player on the squad uh, where right now. Can't believe he just
0: pulled that name. Wow. Well done. (laughs) What a, what a moment that was when his, his tenure looked tenuous at best and he he decided to just throw a Hail Mary at a recruit named uh, what was his first, I don't know his first name, but like Brandon spell. Yeah. And we actually did a recruiting profile on the guy. That was incredible.
1: What a moment. And, and now we're look, take all of the recruits that are leaving. It's expected, right? Every coach leaves and players decommit because why would you stay committed? You don't know what the future is. You don't know who the next guy, the next CEO is. And folks, that's in. We have to, you have to sort of
0: lean into the the instability. We're going to feel right now. Recruits are going to back out. Decommits are going to happen. Portal entries are going to show up on your timeline and it's okay. It's all
1: going to be okay. It's okay. Because once the next guy comes in, he has a chance to sell himself. But here's why it's different this time around, because we have so much talent that has been exposed to Cincinnati over the last five, six years. We don't have to start from the bottom. We don't have to find someone who's Quote unquote, willing to take this job. There are people who are inquiring about this job. There are people who really want this job.
0: But In what 2000- we need
1: more than In- ever is we need a home run hire that's going to have, we need a, a coach who, I'm going to, I agree. I'm going to be John, I am John Cunningham's mouthpiece right now. We need a coach who can recruit. We need a coach who knows the NIL landscape. And we need a coach who can build a staff. NIL and recruiting, to me, say two things. One, you have a personality, you know how to sell yourself. And that's what we're going to need. Someone who can sell themselves and make this his program, because he's going to be coming living under the shadow of Fickle. And he needs to break through that shadow in order to get to the next, next space. Number two, NIL. He needs to be someone who knows how to build a personal brand and be able to sell that personal brand and teach other players how to do that as well because we are lacking not only are we lacking the dollar resources right now at the moment with the collective just getting started we're also lacking things like the creative agency out in California so we need a coach who's going to be able to help players develop that side of it too
0: and build those types of relationships someone who's who's networked someone who's not afraid of name image likeness someone who's not afraid of Evolved and modernizing with the times. Someone with one of the most gorgeous, remarkable, famous smiles in sports. Someone with one of the most transcendent personalities in sports. You know who we're talking about. What time is it, Hummer?
1: Charles Barkley. <laughs> It's prime you time, already baby. know what time it's, it's prime, prime time. time.
0: Look, we're going to do a Deion Sanders segment. We have to. Okay. We're both on the same wavelength here with Deion Sanders unequivocally needing a look from John Cunningham. This is 100% a fantastic idea and is something worth exploring. Do I know if it's even possible? No, I don't. Because I don't know if Deion Sanders would accept the job. But do I think the University of Cincinnati needs to go down that path? Absolutely. And where where do we start with the Deion Sanders experience, why are Why are we both so excited about the prospect of going after him? And I will put the caveat. We are not going to get derailed too much by this one specific candidate. But I do think it's worth mentioning the reasons in particular that we're excited about him or would be excited about him as a hire.
1: I got all excited. I don't know if this is a fake account or not. (laughs) Probably is.
0: (laughs) Don't get fooled by it. We're in the middle of talking about Dion and you're out here perusing Twitter. Get off Twitter, log (laughs) off Twitter, and let's talk about Dion, my guy. Jeez.
1: I'm trying to figure out, is there a guy at ESPN really named Jeff Simon? I doubt it. Doesn't matter. All right. So here's where we're talking about Dion Sanders, a.k.a. Primetime. He does all those things. We, we've you go through and that's that's the profile that you have in your head of current coaches out there. And I don't understand why anybody doesn't think he has what it takes, because I think you, you called it out as well. He ch- would he choose Cincinnati? Would he choose Cincinnati? Because here's the, here's the here's the reality of the situation with Deion Sanders. He's going to get a P5 job offer and it's going to be from a gigantic program one day no doubt like that's going to happen the question is is cincinnati going to be that gigantic program right like we can we have the opportunity right now to get in when his stock is still rising but it hasn't peaked get him and maybe maybe even maybe even because if you listen to what he says and he seems to be a guy who just always throws it out there he's not even hiding the fact that he's gotten an offer from colorado He's not hiding it. He said, yes, I have an offer from Colorado, like direct quote from Deion Sanders. And he says, I'm prime time. I'm always used to the the spotlight. I'm always used to this attention. It's who I am. It's what I live for. But I live in the moment. I don't know if I'm going to accept this job because I don't know. I'm going to. This is the stuff that he talks about, right? I love that it's that just open because if he brings that kind of mentality here, I can live with it. Because if he takes this thing to the next level in the Big 12, with the immediate attention that we immediately bring, like, look, game day's here, week one. Game day's in Cincinnati, week one. Week one, Big 12, first matchup, it's here. Like, that's that's we, that's given. That's happened. That happened. You can't
0: undersell how much attention the brand of the University of Cincinnati would get by hiring Deion Sanders. And I'm not saying that we should be attention whores. But I am saying that football... Oh, we should be
1: attention wars. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Football in itself is about marketing your university. This is all entertainment, it's marketing, and it's brand awareness for your university. And Deion Sanders will give you more brand awareness than any other coach out there. But we're not just saying that it's an empty hire with no substance or ability behind it. That's the uniqueness of Deion Sanders. We saw him in 2022. Poach recruits, poach five-star football recruits from the biggest names in college football. And he's doing that because he knows how to play the NIL game better or as well as anybody in college football. He's going to lean into NIL. He's going to lean into figuring out ways to, to, to let players know that when you come to Cincinnati, we're going to make you a great football player. We're going to help make you a great business person. We're going to put you in position to capitalize on your name, image, likeness better than anybody in the country. And do you know how I know we're going to do that? Because I'm Dion fucking Sanders, and I do that better than anybody in America. He's a no-brainer just because of how well he'll recruit Hummer. And so when you get worried about J.Q. Hardaway entering the, the transfer portal or several... Guys, decommitting for the twenty twenty three class, he would replenish that class instantly, beyond
1: where Luke Fickle left it, instantly, and I have zero doubts about that. And you know, there's, people- there's photos going around on Twitter, literally, of of recruits where people were like in their DMs asking them if if uh, if Deion Sanders ends up at Cincinnati, you 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 committing to Cincinnati, and everybody hundred percent. Like guys, the talent will be there. The, the beauty about about what we know that he can do is he he'll build a staff. He will, and, and that, he knows football. So
0: that's the football part of this. Let's not act like he doesn't know football. Like he hasn't built a really good staff at Jackson State, and I know it's a different level of competition. But the reality is, he got the talent to Jackson State, and then he got the coaches to Jackson State, and then he won almost every damn game while playing at Jack or while coaching at Jackson State. All he's done so far is proven that I can come in, have instant success in recruiting, have instant success in winning, and he's doing it from the head coaching position. It is, it's a it would be a slam dunk home run. Holy shit, I just think we made out even better if we hired Deion Sanders. I'm up to seven
1: dollars. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Yeah, like, I I honestly think that. You're, you're 100% right. Are are you – are you? it's like – if you're coming to me at the beginning of the season and you're asking me from a fantasy football perspective here, but would you trade Luke Fickle for Deion Sanders? And I'm kind of looking at you going, you know what? Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm taking that trade. I'm taking that trade after Luke Fickle just took you to a playoff I, I am making that trade here's the other thing that fascinates me about Deion Sanders right you, people want to make the comparison of oh Penny Hardaway Penny Hardaway look how he's kind of been a, a bust at Memphis sure Penny Hardaway ended up creating a lot of baggage for himself out at Memphis we're not hearing anything coming out of Jackson State of of Deion Sanders creating baggage while he's there or almost him like, yeah, he might, his personality might be quote unquote, bigger than the job, but from all accounts, it's not like that as, as a coach, right? He's, he's very disciplined. He's very like, let's, let's focus on dominating, focus on winning. Well, the reality too is to be fair to Penny, we're, we're, we're post baggage,
0: right? Paying players to come to your university is we're post baggage. That's expected. You're expected to use this as a recruiting tool. And and to to say otherwise is to be delusional. Well,
1: that's why um, Penny. That's why Pen, Well, Penny's Penny is still is still a coach because of that. That's why Sean Miller is still a coach. Surprised that Rick Pitino is not actually the coach at Louisville. It's kind of funny how they were the only school to quote unquote overreact, fire their coach, eventually fire their AD, where everybody else just kept going. And and Kansas won a national championship during this time. Um, but Penny Hardaway still is even after all that is not kind of getting the job done.
0: Yeah. And I don't want to make just, it a, he just, I'm not, well, let's not, let's not get derailed by Penny Hardaway. I would say this in a perfect world, we would get to see Dion Sanders execute his
1: style of coaching at a, Let Deion be Dion. let Dion well, be Dion.
0: I'll, let me say this though. I think we would, in an ideal world, You would see what he did at Jackson State and you would say, how about this? How about before we hired Deion Sanders, we see him do it in a bigger conference. We see him do it, you know, at a smaller school in the American athletic like USF, or we see him do it in, you know, in a, at a Mac school folks, let me tell you now, the only time we're able to get in on the Deion Sanders game is right now. You have to take that level of risk. Of if he's proving himself at a different university, he's then making the jump to the SEC or he's making the jump to Florida, Florida State, State, his alma mater. <laughs> like there's there are some no brainer <laughs> options out there for him. So if we wanted to take the risk, go all in on the biggest possible splash you can make. That would be the move. That's probably that that probably sums up well why we're both bullish on Deion Sanders. I'd have no idea if he's being considered or not
1: but I do think it was worth our time to say. Could we even get him? I don't, I don't even know if we could get him. I don't know if he would choose Cincinnati. I don't, I don't, I don't know if this is a big enough opportunity for him. He, <laughs> it sounds crazy to say that because I'm sitting here thinking Texas, Oklahoma, someone is going to come in and give him a shot at doing it. It's whatever school is going to say, let Deion Sanders be Deion Sanders and do his thing. If <laughs> we, we we can do that. We could be the school that is like right now and, If he says yes to it, 100%, I'm taking it. I'm going to take it and be ecstatic about it. And I'm buying – all right, Deion Sanders is the head coach of the University of Cincinnati next season. I'm buying season tickets, two of them. I'm giving away for free on this podcast to two lucky listeners every week my season tickets except for homecoming, the game I'm going to come home to and go. So you will get two free season tickets being auctioned off on this podcast as as just a gift to listeners if Dion sanders is the head coach
0: hang on the way you said that was strange two free tickets auctioned off for free explain we, wait, yeah. wait what's happening what's is it a giveaway are they free tell me they're again. free
1: we're gonna auction off based on something twitter twitter thing so <laughs> twitter got auctioning them we're giving them away giving them away okay you can't okay
0: That was the most confusing
1: phrasing ever. It was. I'm just getting excited. I'm getting excited. I'm going to buy season tickets, two of them. And every week, except for homecoming, we're going to give them away on the podcast.
0: Okay. To two listeners at random.
1: And this is only at
0: random. Only if Deion Sanders is hired as the coach. Correct. All right. Gauntlet's been thrown down, John Cunningham. Do what you got to do. Now that we get to move on from the Deion Sanders conversation, which is a ex, an extremely fun conversation, I have to say, I can't, I can't not talk about him. Like I just think it's all. Interesting what, and,
1: why do people think he won't be good? I don't understand it. I just don't get it. I can talk about this like hey, all day. I hey, don't. I do not understand it.
0: If Jim Ursay, owner of the Indianapolis Colts, is willing to empower Jeff Saturday with the keys to the Indianapolis Colts kingdom after being on TV and doing no other, having no other <laughs> coaching experience. If Jeff Saturday can coach the NFL Colts, how about this? How about we can give the keys to the kingdom of UC to Deion Sanders, who's actually doing the same job at a, at a university? So moving on. We didn't necessarily get into where we were. Can we talk about program. someone we're
1: not, we don't want?
0: Well, we'll get into those folks. Because there are other names out there. If you look at Brian Hartline, wide receivers coach at Ohio State, Matt Campbell, head coach at Iowa State, um, there's a variety. I don't want of an things.
1: assistant for any. I don't want an assistant for for this role this time around.
0: I don't want to get muddy down though. I want to talk about the fact of where the Cincinnati Bearcats program is right now in 2022 specifically, heading into 2023. When we hired Luke Fickle, who previously had served as an interim coach at Ohio State. Otherwise, he had, you know, a decade plus of assistant coaching experience, mostly at Ohio State. In 2016, we were in the American Athletic Conference. We were coming off a horrific run with Senator Tommy Tuberville. And it was a program that was not going to compete for serious bowl games, even. that The expectation was not to compete... And, and, and compete with the biggest and best programs in the country. Now, this position is coming open at a time when the Bearcats have made a college football playoff in the last two seasons. They have two conference championships in the last two seasons. They are moving to the Big 12 Conference, which has just struck a new media deal that's going to also result in a windfall of, what, $30 million annually at least?
1: On it's the low, seen- on the low end, that's found including any bowl games or NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, that's that's an you're you're realistically getting into the forty fifty million dollars.
0: And so I bring this up to give you an opportunity to speak to the types of candidates John Cunningham should be comfortable going after. And how we should think about this job search, and we're probably doing this a little out of order because we all just went all in on our one specific candidate, but I won't apologize because I feel so passionate about that one candidate. but if we if we remove him from the equation and kind of talk about this conversation from a big picture standpoint, how do you view where Cincinnati is right now in the pecking order and how aggressive they can be
1: in the coaching market? This is not a rebuild. Right, this is not a, a retool. This is not a depleted roster per se. Right, this is a, a situation where you can come in and potentially be successful day one. You can be competing at a high level. There's already, you know, you're gonna have to. Every coach is gonna bring their own their own culture, if you would. But the facilities, our facilities are top notch. We, yeah, we don't have a practice. Uh, we have a bubble. We have a practice bubble. Um, but where where we are with moving to? You already mentioned it, the Big Twelve. The money the money's is funneling in. It's it's going to be there. I think the N the NIL collective is is a good start because while we might be late in the game, I still think we're at we're, we might be further along than other programs are in, in terms of embracing this and the way John Cunningham is seen to to taking. I'm gonna I'm gonna sidebar here. John Cunningham we were really hard on him early in his tenure and talk about someone who has grown into the role and or just proven us wrong very very quickly proven us wrong very very quickly but i mean, no he did make some mistakes along the way but i think he has been he's been top notch he's he's phenomenal um but having an ad that being said having Nad, who's who's starting to really try to understand and grasp this nil concept, play play with it, you know, stretch it and and take advantage of it the way other programs are. This program's attractive. I've very mentioned this. There's calls happening, and what I don't want to see right now is us going at it like this is a rebuild. Like we have to take a chance on some young up and coming, unknown commodity, someone who's never been a head coach before. Like Luke Fickle was a gamble that played off. A lot of people were not happy when he was hired. People didn't know who he was. He was a a a lifer assistant at, at at OSU, right? He had, he'd had one year of head coaching as an interim and, and failed miserably. Um, you know, I don't think I don't think that's what we need right now. I think we need, but we we also don't need is a head coach who's stale or someone who's previously been a head coach. Who lost their job, quit their job, fired, and is now toiling away in the Alabama, you know, offensive coordinator purgatory? Right. You're we don't need too, that. Guy.
0: That's too hard on Bill O'Brien. You're being too hard on Bill O'Brien.
1: <laughs> Fair, but you know what I'm saying? Like, just like you're you're toiling away, and you're you're basically in purgatory. You've gone back. You have to you have to give penance to the football gods in order to reclaim your your status as a head football coach, a la Butch Jones. Arkansas state congratulations on, on your success in, in, in coaching football, football games. Uh, And I don't want to see someone like Matt Campbell. Who's just been, he's stale. He's stale where he's at. You know, there's a reason why he wasn't in, in talks for Nebraska. The reason why he hasn't been poached for, you know, USC, the reason why he wasn't poached for, for any other particular jobs. If there's, if, if Cincinnati is bigger than Ames, Iowa, right? Why is he still in Ains, Iowa three years after his nine and three season? And I don't, we don't even have to get into the press conference today because I don't want to spend that much time talking about Matt Campbell. I think this program needs a head coach. I think we can poach. I think we're in a position where there are 60 something uh, power five schools. And there is no reason why we're not in the top 25 of that and being able to pick off one of those, one of those coaches. Not to mention, we have a whole league out West who's who's on really shaky footing in terms of uh, conference realignment. Right.
0: And you've made you made this point on the Viva la Cats podcast. And I think it's an important one about how how we need to start thinking about ourselves. And we actually had a test, a Texas Tech fan hop into that Twitter spaces and sort of like poking people and reminding them like, hey, guys, FYI, you're not G5 anymore. You're power five. And you should think like that and you don't need to necessarily hone in on wide receivers, coaches, or, you know, the quote unquote, next big thing before they're anything right. Like like, Going after a
1: unless it's Deion Sanders, (laughs) but
0: but again, he's a head coach and he's actually doing the job right now. And he's, he had like, you can't dispute the things we said about brand building about NIL, about being a disruptor in the industry. You know, the current wide receivers coach at Ohio State, Brian Hartline, is not those things. I'm not disputing that he may be a future star in the coaching ranks, but he hasn't had to actually do anything close to the head coaching job yet. He hasn't had to call plays. He hasn't had to be the key cog to recruit around your name and your system and your personal brand. He's done nothing of the sort. He has not had to prove that. And so I do think we need to shoot and aim bigger than those types of assistants. We don't need to take those types of massive risks. If we're going to take a risk, we know the exact type of risk it should be. Um, Matt Campbell is the head coaching name that we we see floating around. I've seen reports already that say he's not necessarily in the conversation. I've seen reports saying he is. He wouldn't excite me. I, I wouldn't be excited about Matt Campbell to me, Matt Campbell is a poor man's Luke Fickle. I don't want a poor man's Luke Fickle. If we're not going to have Luke Fickle anymore, I want something better. I want something different. I want something that can actually elevate and take the, this Big 12 program into the future in an exciting way. Um, so I think we can we can do certainly do better than that as well. So I don't know. Do we want to you know, actually you know, like, have and gut reaction to these different candidates? Because I, I don't think that's very
1: entertaining. I mean, here's one that would be interesting to me, and no, and no, everybody, I'll get skewered for this. Willie Fritz, ugh.
0: ugh, not in on it. Isn't he going to Georgia Tech?
1: There, those are rumors. I just, I mean, you're starting to see it. It's maybe these guys got into my head. Uh they're they're I living heard- rent free in my head. The guys at the Green Wave podcast (laughs) is you've seen that you've seen Tulane a program who hadn't won a conference championship since 1998 and he's kind of in the last few years it's been steady going just constantly chipping away making Tulane better to the point this year that they what they're 10 and 2 they're playing for the championship and they're possibly playing for the shot at a at a new year's six bowl
0: Hummer you can't say I'm out on Matt Campbell and then say, "Bring me the Tulane coach." Come on, man. Come on, man.
1: They did go two and ten last year. <laughs> they went two and ten last year. Slap me. Uh, All right, wake me up. Wake me up. I, He's gone. Send him to Georgia.
0: Spencer Hall, who who has the uh, shutdown full and does a lot of just funny college football content on Twitter, when there was a there was a breaking report that he was going to Georgia Tech. This is Willie Fritz, and that report ended up being wrong or it ended up being, it ended up jumping the gun. But the joke that he cracked about that hire was that when you, <laughs> how did, how did you phrase it when you want to hire a, when you, when you don't want to hire a triple option coach, but you hire a, a triple option coach, or I'm, I'm saying it the wrong way and I'm not telling the joke well, but it was essentially saying you wanted to hire meal, meal toast, you hired meal toast and, or you, you hired something else that you, you Pause, because I'm gonna find the tweet because this is so terrible
1: how I'm retelling it. Oh, I, I, I kind of get the, the sentiment. Um this one's just it's it's tough because I keep we keep talking about like I keep mentioning like all right Wisconsin being like a more high profile position for Luke Fickle. And if we really want to get into the reasons why, real quick, we can name them, you know. What's their their budget? Some you know, hundred million dollars, whatever. They're paying him seven point nine. Um, the Big Ten is getting is is getting an obscene amount of money, something like seventy something, eighty million dollars a year per school. You know, the resources are just they're going to be absolutely incredible, right? They're pretty much the only college that's going to be able that 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 is up in Wisconsin. Um, so you know, kind of open season on recruiting or whatever. So I'm trying to, and I bring that up because I'm like, where does UC fit in that pecking order of, all right, who can we actually go and poach a coach from? Because let's be real. If we're having real talk, right, we're not the school that's pulling the the Lincoln-Riley steal from Oklahoma trade, right? We're not USC no. going out and poaching Lincoln-Riley. That's not happening.
0: Matt, but Matt Campbell is an example. I, mean, I know we don't like him but he is an example of poaching a power five team in the same conference we're going to, who was the apparent runner up for the USC job. If they didn't get Lincoln Riley, he, he isn't a nobody. He is someone who's won coach of the year, three times in the big 12. He's he is well-regarded. And I think people kind of give him the exception on recent performances based on being located in the state of Iowa and being Iowa state. And I think they sort of know that that's a built-in handicap that, he has to overcome, and he has overcome at points. He's won, I think, a, a New Year's Six game, which is something that, that Luke Fickle never got done. So I think there are some things to hang your hat on there. I don't want to completely write him off, but that, to me, is an example of the type of Power Five we could potentially poach. And don't worry about the buyout, because we're not broke boys anymore,
1: all right? We're <laughs> we're we're Big 12 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're rich, baby when someone was like oh are we really gonna spend i i don't want to call him out too hard because i love these guys that no, the has been right yeah no he's not on the quad squad he's not the quad squad no it's uh, jeff
0: it's it's the bas- it's He's right. a baseball guru actually he's a great bearcat fan great follower great Twitter. bearcat
1: fan we love you he, just even have joked, to... he even
0: joked about it he said uh oh, old habits die hard you know it is hard to get out of that mindset <laughs> that we have to pinch every penny. We don't have to pinch every penny. We can spend a little bit of money. We got some coin now.
1: Yeah, we got some coin. We got some, we got some free cash flow. Uh We can spend, we can spend some of that on, on buying out, buying out some, a head coach. Uh, here's here's, here's would... what
0: Spencer all said about Willie Fritz, just to put a bow on it and, and correct that horrible explanation I gave earlier. The tweet was Georgia tech is trying to get a deal done with Tulane coach Willie Fritz to become their next head coach. Spencer Hall says, when you want to hire a triple option coach without hiring a triple option coach, it's smart don't yell at me he follows it up by saying, by the way, Fritz hasn't really run the triple in a while, but he's definitely the dude to do all the stuff you have to do when you can't get the same horses everyone else runs with how about no one Willie Fritz how about how about pass
1: you 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 talked me out before you even read that <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right.
0: Well, I I think, honestly, I'm kind of ready to, do you want to talk a little bit of hoops before we hop off this podcast? We have six games coming up to round out our non-conference schedule. Obviously we could always jump back on and do an emergency pod as needed with the football developments. That's sort of an, I feel like that's a pretty solid overarching roundup of where we're at right now. It probably sounded chaotic because it is chaotic. It's been a wild 36 hours for Bearcat fans. And we're we're in it just like the rest of y'all. And I can't recommend enough our Discord server. If you are not in the Discord server, this was something we had thought about doing back in 2021. We never did because Homer had a baby, work got busy for the both of us, and it felt like a lot to add to the plate. But the night that everyone thought Twitter was going to die... Rumors of its demise were greatly exaggerated. We floated the Discord server. People have joined, and it is organically growing into an extremely fun community of quick-witted, informed, funny Bearcat fans. And I know some people have said there's other forums and message boards that you almost have to stay away from. They get so toxic. This is not one of those places. So if you want to talk about the Bearcats coaching change, and you want to talk about which direction we might go and banter with people who are passionate and informed and, and just invested in Cincinnati Bearcat sports come to the discord server. I will put the link in the show notes. It has been a really fun time. And I think it's only going to get bigger and better.
1: Yeah. This was discord was, was for us was born out of in the midst of chaos there is also opportunity, uh, you know, taking advantage of of the panic that Elon Musk has has encircled Twitter in. Uh, it's been great, it's been great. You should you should check it out. Uh, but like the Bearcats football program being in chaos right now, I think there is also opportunity, uh, because if there's one thing and we we mentioned this at the end of the of the Twitter spaces. Yesterday, we have had – Mark Dan Antonio saw success here. Brian Kelly saw success here. As much as I don't like Butch Jones, he did have two 10-win seasons here, Um, even though every single year – I think even after he went four and, like, eight, he was still trying to, like, find a way to get out of Cincinnati after his first year. Uh, but Butch Jones had two 10 win 10 win co-champion seasons. Tommy Tuberville was a douchebag, but Luke Fickle, Luke Fickle, you know, he took us to playoffs. He took us to uh, New Year's Six Bowl. Like that's out of out of five coaches, four of them have seen incredible success here. And it's been sustained. This program is going to be fine. It's going to be okay. This higher and the only sense of urgency of getting it right is the fact that we are moving to the big 12 and what we don't want to become is a perennial seller dweller. We need to capitalize on the momentum that we've had. We need someone who's going to come in and not just sustain a la Butch Jones. We need them to, we need them just to, we need them to break through the barrier to get us to the new Year's six bowl and win the game to get us to the playoff and win a game. And with the expanded playoff, There's huge potential and huge opportunity here. And that's where I come in and saying, like, I really don't want to see us taking a chance on an up and coming assistant. I want to see someone who's had experience being a CEO, who's had success recruiting, who's had success winning football games, and and come in and, and replicate and excel greater than what Luke Fickle did here. Like that's, that's the type of character, that's the type of guy we need to see. And honestly, it's the last pitch I'm going to make for a guy like Deion Sanders is that I think he's going to be able to do all those things here quickly. I don't think we're going to see a massive downturn. Like right now, we're going to get in the basketball, and so it's probably a really great transition, which Coomer usually does. But Wes Miller is picking up the pieces that are two terrible seasons from from John Brandon and, and completely just utterly destroying his program going into NIL. So we're like, I know we might not be missing scholarships after what Brandon did, but we're in a new world of NIL and what we have to build into. And I so I have what, my
0: I have my qualms with Wes Miller and what we've seen on the court from him, but Wes Miller does represent the type of mentality we want our next football coach to have. He's someone that acknowledges the reality of when I walk into a recruit's home, the first thing they ask me is how much he knows it. He's not denying it. He's not whinging about it. He's not complaining about it at all. In fact, he's taking that to the powers that be at UC and to now since he reigns and to the money at the university of Cincinnati and and the, you know, the, the powerful donors and, and four horsemen that are, and saying this is what it takes to, to bring this type of roster to the Big 12. You know, it's a million to, to maintain our current position. Does anyone want to re- maintain our current position? No. We want to get a lot better. So we need more money. And we need more investment in the NIL infrastructure. These are the real- This is just the simple reality of college sports now. And it's true for basketball. It's true for football. So bring on a coach. That is an absolute animal in that way, who isn't afraid of it, isn't a denier, isn't someone who's running away from, you know, these players making money off their name image like this. Bring in someone who accepts it, embraces it, and can rally the troops and resources that exist in this Cincinnati community and around the Cincinnati Bearcat sports programs. Because we are well capitalized. We just have to be much
1: more aggressive and much more organized. So speak, speaking of that real quick, I'm on cincyrains.org. That is C-I-N-C-Y-R-E-I-G-N-S.org. And I'm looking at how you can donate, right? And you have the options of a custom amount, 50, 150, 350. You get different perks, right, for the levels of what you donate at. You can also make this a yearly, a yearly donation. If you are considering, this just sounds terrible, but... And I, I maybe we need to have the university on to, to make their the plead their case, but if you're you're considering donating a significant sum to UCATS, it could be worth splitting your donation between UCATS and Cincy Reigns, because this is what Cincy Reigns is ultimately what's going to fund fund the rosters. So it's our salary as cap. As, 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 it's our salary as as, cap. As, as much as facilities are needed, I think facilities are kind of now maybe old school way of thinking because I don't think a recruit really gives a shit. That's, that's seven for me about a needing (laughs) a, whether they give a, give a hoot about the indoor practice facility versus the bubble. If they're getting 50, $500,000 to play here, I really don't think they're going to care if, if we, if we're able to, if we're able to do that. So I, I implore you, if you are donating, Think about splitting it. Go check out Cincy Reigns. Go check out the tiers. You can even select, you know, if we want to be fair. And this is what I was going to ask you. If we, do we need to set our our precedent of what we do on this podcast with our donation, our cursing donation fund? We're going all Cincy Reigns athletes?
0: All Cincy Reigns athletes. Yeah, of course.
1: And then, But if you have a particular sport you like in general, you can actually choose which sport you want to donate to. So you can pick and choose based off the sports that you watch, whether that's men's basketball, women's basketball, diving, swimming, whatever your pick, your poison, you have the ability to pick which sport you actually want to donate to from uh, via NIL. So I highly implore you since check it out.
0: All right, Hummer, we've got to wrap this one up, but one thing I did want to mention on the basketball front, we'll kind of keep it brief. Um, we did talk a lot about Maui last week. We ended up beating Louisville, which was great it was looking dicey at halftime i was not thrilled but the bearcats did prevail pretty emphatically in 81-62 victory over louisville to keep ourselves above 500 at 4 and 3 on the season that takes us into the next 6 games which are the final 6 games before we get into conference play here's our here's our rundown and they are all home games we've got new jersey institute of technology coming to town on Wednesday. That's a 7 p.m. game. Paul McMillan is on that, is on that team. Uh, for those who are familiar with his work, he was a Woodward star basketball player, highly touted for a while. Um, I, I just don't I don't think the development continued in the way that maybe people needed it to for him to end up at a bigger university, but he'll be playing UC with NJIT. Then we get a visit from Bryant which we we played last year they they did well in the transfer portal that could be a tough game. Xavier comes to Fifth Third Arena on December 10th. Miami of Ohio follows that up 4 days later on December 14th. LaSalle comes to town on December 17th and then we have Detroit Mercy on 12/21. So that takes us through Christmas. 6 games. Bearcats are Bearcats are at 4 and 3. I think we all know Expectations on this season, um, it's we're not we're not talking bubble, we're not talking tournament. We're talking needing to see improvements in product. We're talking needing to see the the cohesion, the cohesion offensively, the shot selection offensively, the teamwork offensively. We can't go 15 minutes without an assist. We need those things to improve, and we need to see us get better and better as the season goes along. So I ask this of you. If the Bearcats finish this stretch, or or I, how do how do I put this? Over these six games, what record do you need to see for you to feel okay about the direction of the season?
1: We can only lose one game.
0: Based on the opponents, based on home games, based on based on that, you think five and, five and one is the bare minimum for this team?
1: Here and here's why. Here's why I say that. We came into this this season, and I, at least I did, thinking that yes, I think this team should probably be low, you know, bu- a bubble team. Like I was thinking that we're we're gonna have a shot at the NCAA tournament. And looking at the terrible loss that we took took to NKU, hurts us. That if we take a loss to someone like New Jersey Institute of Technology, wow or if we drop one to Detroit Mercy, wow. Right? Like we we are in some serious trouble in terms of of terrible quad losses. And frankly, while the conference isn't that great, we always for you know, this team it's we're going to come up with some struggles against some of these teams in our own conference, right? So we need to not drop these types of games. These games have to be won. Xavier I- is going to be tough. Like I've watched them play we've watched them play they're going to be tough it's going to suck Xavier, uh, Xavier a looks like a, Xavier looks like a in. top
0: 25 team they're playing like a top 25 team yep. I know that they're 4 and 3 yep. but their their level of competition has been high and you know they they have a tough loss against Gonzaga a tough loss against Duke and then a tough loss against a, a top 15 Indiana team you, you can't really have too many qualms with that so that's not the, look fifth thirds a magical place in the Crosstown shootout I have no doubt the environment will be insane, but I would say when you compare what we've seen on the court from them versus what you've seen on the court from us, it's hard to have high expectations at the moment. I think it is a bit of an indictment on the current way we're playing basketball that state
1: and state of the state of the rivalry.
0: (laughs) Well, state of the rivalry, but the fact that you're saying like the fact that I know you said five and one, I look at these six games and I say four and two, if we leave these games four and two, my head will kind of say, that sounds about right. Four and two sounds about right with how we're playing basketball right now. Obviously, with all of these games being home games, there was a time. You said, in my that, you life said to
1: feel good about it, though.
0: To feel good, to feel to feel good about it. You're right. To feel good, to feel like, wow, nice performance. Five and one to feel like, holy shit, he's rallying the troops. Eight dollars. He's rallying the troops. All right. Yeah, that's that's six and oh, like we pulled it off. We ran the gauntlet. We protected home court. That's something we would have expected from Bearcats basketball three years ago. You know, it's not long ago that I would have looked at LaSalle, Detroit, Mercy, Miami, Brian, Brian and NJIT and said, oh, get out of here. Like that's that's five wins. And we get, then we got the Crosstown shootout at home. We're going to get this dub six and oh, unfortunately, we're not there right now. I would say anything worse than four and two is a bit concerning. If you drop three of these games, and, and honestly, if it's worse, if you if you're two and four, one and five, which I I highly doubt, but if those kind of things happen, that's an alarming situation for the basketball program. Um, but that's sort of how I'm looking at the rest of our non-conference schedule. We'll talk about them more as we watch them play in the coming games, and we'll certainly you know do more preview of the cross down shoot as we approach. I'm not ready to go to the place of penciling in as a loss. It's a magical rivalry where when we're at CentOS, it's damn near impossible to get a victory, it seems like. But when it's at 5th 3rd, it's a completely different situation. And the crowd will be bumping. The crowd will be insane. And our players can respond to that. Victor Locken is a guy that responds to that kind of environment.
1: (sighs) Yeah. I'm glad you have faith. I've completely lost faith in Bearcat teams to show up and play local teams. Well, I've just, I've lost that faith. So if it happens, I obviously I'll, I'll be incredibly excited. If you had to choose, I'm sure we'll record before Xavier. But if you had to take that prediction, it seems like, it seems like to win that game, you always have to have like the fill in the blank performance performance right and like Xavier has that kind of too anytime they win the game someone goes off right when it's their year to win someone scores 40 points and hits nine free three-pointers something stupid who's giving us for us i think it's it's who's giving it's a two it's a two-person job here I i think that i'm asking you who do you think goes off that game
0: I'm seeing Victor locken get revenge on Nungy I'm seeing him come out, show up, and prove that he's the dominant big on the court. This is this is the recipe, and I mean, I think we we saw it in Maui, like Landers Nolly with his size and and potential and streakiness. He gets smoking hot, and then the only other thing I would sprinkle in is Micah Adams Woods shoots like four of seven from three. You know, he's on that game. Get some confidence, gets a three-point shot flowing. Three-pointers would obviously have to fall in this game, and Victor Lockett would have to stay out of foul trouble. But if those things happen, Victor's been super reliable. I think he's been really impressive. He is the silver lining on the season so far over anybody else. He's taken a leap. We just need some other players to catch up with him. And then um, I might just mic drop a hot take here at the end, if you don't mind. But the the change we really need to make roster-wise is to shift David DeJulius to a sixth-man role and start Micah Adams-Woods in his place at the point guard position. And I guess you're bringing in like Daniel Skillings or something in the starting lineup. That's what I would do. And it's not a knock on David DeJulius. It's to more clearly define his role on the team as a scoring guard. I think he sometimes struggles with the back and forth between scoring, point guard, facilitating. Just let him be a get buckets guy off the bench let Mike Adams Woods be that pure point guard who, who's not a high volume shooter, who's more of a facilitator, and and sort of balance the roster that way. It's a hot take. I don't apologize for it, but I do think we need to leave the podcast there, so I can pass this computer along to another person in my household.
1: Oh, uh, okay. No, no, no. Not so hot take here, uh, but we can do that. I also think Jeremiah Davenport needs to not shoot as much, so we don't basically get turnovers for missed shots.
0: Cheers, buddy.